Welcome to the What's Good Games podcast. I'm Andrea Renee, back from Europe to talk about video games with my lovely friends, Brittany Brombacher. Hello. And Christine Steimer. Hi. Ladies, how are you? how's it going? I, I miss you. I feel like I haven't seen you in so long. We missed you too. We missed you. How the hell was Europe? Uh, it was hot. It was very hot. It was How like hot? 95 degrees every day, uh, which was which was great when we were in the ocean. Uh, but when we were walking around Rome, seeing all of the awesome historical stuff that Rome has to offer, and there is a ton of stuff there. Um, it was a little uncomfortable. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. um, it was great. It was really fun and, and educational at the same time. That's so. why you just get a gelato to cool off every hour. Yeah, we ate a lot of gelato. There are some <laughs> photos on my Instagram and, and John's Instagram. If you guys are intrigued to see some of our food that we had in Italy, we ate quite a few amazing things there. Mm, but food. Um, but you guys had Miss Mary Kish on the podcast last week. She was excellent. Yeah, she was yes. great. I thought Mary it was interesting phenomenal. to hear her talk about uh, the indie games and how she got really fired up about people not wanting to pay what indie games are worth i was like yeah mary you tell them yes she was very very passionate about that it was cool to see it was a different perspective like when i hadn't really considered i'm not really in with the indie scene so i really appreciated that it was like yeah you're right cheap yeah, asses no, she is she made a very good point <laughs> cheap um, a little bit of housekeeping uh i want to say thank you to all of our patrons if you support us on patreon.com slash what's good games we are incredibly grateful for your support one of our flagship sponsors on patreon of course is take this.org we ask you guys the same question every week um did you know that one in four people in america deals with mental health issues that's 25% of the population. So when you think about what that number means, 25%, that means technically one of the girls in Was Good Games is potentially dealing with mental health issues. Did you I mean, stop I have about in that? the past. It's a thing. Yeah. Yeah. And not a no, thing to be ashamed well. of. Yeah. I mean, no, I, absolutely. I'm a big uh, supporter of therapy. I think it's fantastic. And I think more people should go and there shouldn't be such a stigma attached to it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, because talking about mental health symptoms is the fastest way to find hope and healing. But the stigma of mental health issues, as we've been talking about, makes a lot of people feel like they have to suffer in silence, and we don't want you guys to feel that way. And Take This doesn't want you to feel that way either. They help by letting people know that it's okay to not be okay. And there's help. Visit TakeThis.org for stories from people like you and advice from mental health care experts and tips for how to help people that you love who might be struggling. Maybe you don't know they're struggling or maybe you have a you know an inkling that they're struggling. Um, the best way to maybe broach that conversation, conversation is just say, hey, I heard about this site. Maybe you want to check it out on your own. And if you ever want to talk, I'm here for you. Uh, so take this. It's dangerous to go alone. Thank you so much to them and all the work that they do. Um, 
Of course, if you guys are not subscribed to us on podcast services, it would help us out greatly if you could go to iTunes, go to Google Play or wherever else you listen to podcasts and subscribe, rate, leave us a review. Even if you guys watch our video on YouTube and you don't listen to the audio only version, it would really help us out a lot if you could do that. So please, please, uh, if you have a few spare minutes in your day, we also have our YouTube channel, which I just mentioned, youtube.com slash what's good games. And on Twitter, we are what's good under score games um hey brit i think you deserve a little shout out for being really awesome at running our social media accounts behind the scenes very people don't know that you like pretty much one man banding that it's what i love to do you're all (laughs) talking to me yeah thank you i I appreciate it i love doing it you're kicking booty um and also a big thank you to one of our patrons professor metal gear who sent us some mail uh, at our mailbox. You can find that address on our website if you guys are inclined to send us something. And he sent us a switch because Steimer was talking about how she didn't have one. And now we have this awesome Nintendo Switch. So thank you so much for giving that to us. We're going I feel to so guilty. Out- why don't you because i'm like i wasn't talking about it to be like send me a switch you know like that wasn't it was just a story (laughs) because i figured other people would relate because i'd heard other folks were also having issues getting one um and then i you know got one immediately so oops but (laughs) (laughs) but thank you like that was super kind of you and yeah um before i cut andrea off rudely i'm very sorry um she was okay (laughs) talking about we were gonna give it away for charity yeah, no, we're we're planning to do um, some charity streams in the near future. You know, we'll have more details on that once we get that all figured out. But we thought it would be a really fantastic item for us to hopefully donate or give away during one of our charity streams. So keep an eye out for that. That's coming um, down the pipeline. And Britt, you have some exciting news maybe that you could share about our new thing that we're doing at PAX. Oh, I was like, I was like, where is this going? (laughs) I was like, I do. Uh, I assume, Miss Andrea, you're speaking of our panel. Yes. Awesome. Okay, I'm just going to. This is what you do, right? This is your thing. Oh, yeah. And I got that from Alexa, honestly. So our panel will be Saturday of PAX. I believe it'll be around. I have it right here, ladies and gentlemen. 5 p.m. sounds correct to me. Awesome. Thank you. You you are right. You are correct. Stem a lot. Okay. Yeah. So we have a panel and we are going to be talking about the fun things we do while we play video games in a sense. So I just a brief recap. I walk in the treadmill while I play video games. Christine, I think you play in the bathtub. No, no, no. That's not me. No, oh, I that? don't play Alexa, with, maybe? with fire like that. Who, who plays in the bathtub? Is that Alexa? I think it's Alexa. Think it's Alexa. Oh, okay. And we're going to be talking a bit about what's good games, why we decided to do what we did, and all of that fun stuff. It'll be good times. We will also be having a community meetup. We don't have the details nailed down quite yet, but if you are planning to be at PAX West in Seattle uh, a little over a month from now, a month and like a week uh, we would love for you to come and meet up with us and we will get those details to you guys in the next uh, couple of weeks. So make sure to mark your calendars. If you're going to be at PAX, it's going to be that Saturday, um, which is September 2nd. 2nd? Yeah, girl. Yes. September 2nd. Yeah, yeah the it. Hippogriff <laughs> Theater. That's the uh, best it's theater. Gonna be, yeah, it's going to be Best awesome. named theater. Yeah. And um, you guys, I don't know if I mentioned, obviously, Alexa Ray is not here. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) She's missing. Um, She uh, is back home with her family uh, doing some family stuff. 
And she will be rejoining us next week. It's going to be great. We're going to have the dream team all back together here at our studio. So we will also be doing our Patreon exclusive streams. Uh, if you guys want more details, we will be making a post about that uh, on our Patreon page. So make sure you head on over there and check that out next week. Okay. Now that the housekeeping is done, it's time to talk about some news. And while there wasn't a lot of news this week, there was some really interesting news this week. So I'm going to start with the big Telltale announcement. So they came out, Telltale Games, put out a video. It's San Diego Comic-Con, which, by the way, if you're listening to this, I will already be at San Diego Comic-Con. And... They always have a panel or they talk about something at Comic-Con every year since a lot of their properties are based on comic books. And this year, they have announced three big things. Big thing number one, a new season of Batman is coming. So it's Batman, the enemy within. It will start its first episode on August 8th on PS4, Xbox One, PC, and Mac with the iOS and Android versions coming later in the year. And the series will be available as a season pass disc in October on PS4 and Xbox One. Interesting note about this, the Riddler returns in The Enemy Within, and you can also use your save from Batman the Telltale series if you have one. Ladies, did you play Batman? I did. I did not. What'd you think I really it, liked it. I um, heard it was I, excellent. Yeah, I thought it was really well done. The way they, they kind of took Batman and turned it on its head. Like, so, I guess minor spoilers, but um, I'm not going to reveal the whole plot, but, you Please know, don't. one of the primary bases <laughs> is like, you kind of learn that maybe Bruce Wayne's parents aren't who you thought they were. And what? you learn about, like, the way, and you, you get closer to enemy characters than I think. I've seen in most Batman things. I would say maybe like Hush is similar in that way. Um, the actual comic Batman Hush. Um, but I just thought it was really interesting and cleverly done. And then also you can kind of choose to be Bruce Wayne a lot more than Batman, which is something that you don't usually see. Oh God, Andrea versus the Fly. So <laughs> God, I can see it flying in front of the camera now. So I'm for those of you just listening. It's been an ongoing saga between Andrea and the Flies. Apparently, she left the door open to the studio for 30 minutes, and now she is, like, being infested. Her studio is infested by flies. And so it's it's really funny. She looks like her cat. It's just one, and you're struggling that much? Well, there was two, but I killed the other one. Ah, well, good job. Okay, back to Batman. (laughs) Back to Batman. Um, I struggled a lot with, like, the morality of certain choices and what I should do and what I shouldn't. Um... So I'm very curious and excited to see what they do for round two. And um, and that's all I'll say because I do want to keep it, you know, as spoiler free as possible. Yeah, I got to watch John play some of this game. I mean, I think he played the whole thing and finished it, but I didn't play it myself. But I heard it was one of the better uh, series that Telltale has done in the last couple of years. Hmm. And so I think I'm going to go back in and give it a shot because I, you know, really enjoyed my time replaying uh, Tales from the Borderlands and... More importantly, I'm super pumped that they announced <laughs> season two, The Wolf Among Us. Yay! Yes. Big B is back. back. Big B Wolf, the hero of the first game, returns for this sequel and expect to make more tough choices in the dark, tinged fairy tale world when it launches next year. 
So it's coming in 2018. That's as specific as they got, which is fine. I'm just glad that it's on its way because of all the Telltale series, The Wolf Among Us is my second favorite. What's your first? The Walking Dead season one. Yeah. Yeah. Hard to top that one. It's pretty excellent. But uh, I was really impressed with The Wolf Among Us. And I never was a fables reader. And I was a little like, I don't know who these characters are and if they're going to resonate with me. And was pleasantly surprised. And really, the narrative work in that game was excellently done. And from what I can remember, it didn't have a lot of terrible glitch problems during my playthrough. I know other people had some really terrible problems as they do with most of the Telltale games. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Um, I'm excited this is coming back because they left episode five kind of on a cliffhanger. Yeah, they and did. then they were just like, lols. And then, yeah, yeah and I wasn't was sure gone. if they were ever going to come back around to it, so I'm glad that they are. Well, according um, to the uh, the video, they said it sounds like they weren't planning on doing a season two. This is what they said anyway. But because of the yeah. fan feedback, they're like, OK, this is for you, fans. And so now it's a thing that's happening. So yeah, I, last, I wonder if. It, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, it's OK. I was going to say I last played uh, Tales from the not Tales from Borderlands. Er, <laughs> the Wolf Among Us. Uh, February of 2015 is when I wrapped it up. So I kind of went through and rewatched. It's like a brief recap of uh, the story. And God, that game is dark and gritty. Yes. Yeah. Oh, so good, though. Um, But I also saw a quote from Telltale. They did an AMA on Reddit three months ago. And they said, quote, should we ever continue in the world of fables and the wolf among us? It is generally agreed upon here that we wouldn't continue that storyline directly and would leave things an open mystery that's better left unanswered. Dot, dot, dot. What is that? That's no, no, that's terrible. I hate it when authors do that. I mean, you got to wrap it up. You know, you got to get a clean bow on the end of it and make sure that you're not leaving your viewers or readers in the lurch with your story. I don't like that at all. It's like the end of Inception where his top keeps spinning. spinning. And everyone's like, is it real or is he in a dream? Nobody knows. And I was like, I hate that. (laughs) I always took that to be it's infinitely spinning because I don't think a top would spin as long as it did. Uh, naturally but maybe i don't know i'm not a top spinner i don't (laughs) don't, that's not on your resume i'm like not very good at that so maybe my just maybe i just suck at it um i don't want to spoil the wolf among us for those who haven't played it if you haven't played a long time it has it has the game came out in like 2013 but yeah so the ending i'll keep this as vague as possible isn't it when you found the dude and you have the option to imprison the dude or kill the dude and that's how it ends off right the, um, it was more of the cliffhanger with um, the girl, the Little Mermaid. Okay, who, else, who was yeah. right? Little Mermaid? Am okay. I making that up? I don't remember, who, but she was one of the the strippers. <laughs> no, yeah, remember. yeah. Okay, no, I appreciate the refresher. I couldn't quite remember like what the cliffhanger was. Well, I mean, there were multiple storylines in play where there were things kind of left unfinished, and there were still questions about like who did what and who's responsible and things like that. So, definitely worth a replay mm-hmm. so maybe i'll go back and replay that as well the beauty of these telltale games is that they're not that long uh you can you know play them in you know a day or two and um the rounding out that telltale news telta also announced the final chapter in clementine's story in the walking dead the final season coming for 2018 so before we went 
live with recording tonight, we were talking about uh, the last season, season three. And I wanted to wait until all of the episodes were out because sometimes I don't like the you know, mm-hmm. the anxiety of waiting between episodes to yeah. continue on with my choices. And so now that they're all out, I think it's time for me to play season three. Um, but I heard it was not as gross, uh, excuse me, not as good as season two. <laughs> I thought you were saying not as gross. <laughs> I, I like, think I was going to say what? great. And then I said good and great at the same time. And it came out like rude. Gruel. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so that's my bad. Also, like, I apologize to everybody listening if I sound a little incoherent or slurry or I mix stuff up. She's I'm drunk. incredibly jet lagged. <laughs> Actually, I'm just drinking water. Just water this week, guys. <laughs> jet lagged. Um, sober but, man's um, drunkenness. Did either of you play any of those episodes yet? I haven't. I've stopped playing Walking Dead with season two of Clementine's Story. Um, I honestly forgot that there was a season three until this announcement at announcing the next season. And I was like, oh, yeah, I never got around to playing that. So maybe I should do that because I do like Clementine. Yeah, it's like teenage Clementine. Yeah. Yeah. I played the first season and and loved it. I was really moved by it and it was very emotional. But yeah, for some reason after that, I just kind of fell off the Walking Dead Telltale bandwagon and not for any particular reason. It just for some reason, I don't know. I prioritized other things. But what I do want to do, this announcement has me like hyped. I want to do like a Telltale day or a Telltale week where I just try to go through and do like Tales of the Borderlands, do Wolf Among Us again, do The Walking Dead. Game of Thrones, is that out? Yeah, that's out, right? That's been out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, I don't follow that one, so I'm not sure. But I want to go through all of them because they are fun and they are like the best interactive like stories, you know. I like them for weekday gaming. They're my preferred weekday game because they're a contained amount of time. You're like, all right, I'm going to play an episode. It's a couple hours. It's basically like watching a TV show with a little bit more action, and then you go to bed, and it's great. You don't feel. I mean, granted, there's usually cliffhangers, but even for me, I didn't feel that like. I must play the next one right now, usually. Mm. Um, so I'm like, all right, now I can go to bed. Play an episode. We're good. Yeah. <laughs> We're just like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, say to Andrew, like, come on, host. <laughs> <laughs> host I was just, on automated I was just mode. letting the silence simmer for a minute, taking a dramatic beat, <laughs> if you will. Oh, God. <laughs> She's gone. <laughs> Uh, no i'm fine everything's fine um no weekdays weekends however you like to game cyber you do you if you want to play telltale games oh, on weekdays, you do it <laughs> all right ladies and gentlemen it's time to move on to our next story bioware general manager and anthem director aaron flynn has stepped down replacing him casey hudson and making a triumphant return as the former director of the Mass Effect trilogy, he is now back at BioWare. So this is kind of a crazy story. Um, and I have to say, I did not see this coming at all. BioWare general manager Aaron Flynn is leaving the studio at the end of July and taking his place will be Casey Hudson, a longtime employee and former BioWare executive producer, returning after three years away. Hudson was working as a creative director at Microsoft Studios, and he will return to Bioware as it embarks on Anthem, the first new intellectual property in a decade. Hudson said, when I left Bioware three years ago, it was the most difficult decision of my career. 
in a post on the official Bioware blog. I needed some time off, needed a bit of change, and wanted to get involved in a new wave of disruptive technologies that were emerging. Oh, God, the tech buzzwords. (laughs) Um, He continued by saying the last few years have been transformative for me from having time to reflect on what I most want to do to working with new technologies at a platform scale. And now I'm thrilled to have the opportunity to return to Lead Bioware, a studio that I think of as home. And Flynn, a 17-year veteran, has occupied a number of positions at the studio, including lead programmer, chief technical officer, and chief operating officer. He's been GM for the past seven years and oversaw the launch of multiple entries in the Mass Effect, Dragon Age, and Star Wars The Old Republic franchises. He was also the original director for Anthem, uh, which we've talked about already and is one of our, you know, darlings that we saw at e3 he made a post as well saying i have been contemplating changes in my own life for some time when i heard that casey had confirmed he was up for the task i realized the opportunities before us i will be working with him over the next couple of weeks to help catch him up and do my part to set him up for success to be the best gm he can be ladies all that you can be by the way i want to give um uh just a citation that those quotes I pulled from the story from Polygon, but you can also read their full statements at the Bioware blog. So what do we think about this news? I was also surprised, um, like you, Andrea, mostly because I guess I just didn't see Flynn stepping down anytime soon. Um, He seemed pretty comfortable in that role. But I mean, what 17 years is a long time with one company. So I kind of get it. And I think after the launch of Andromeda, uh, and I think Casey kind of left on the tail end of Mass Effect 3. So it's like, um, you know, I think things maybe just need like a chill out period where you're not worried about the Internet yelling at you forever. Um, <laughs> that day will never come. I know, right? right. Um, and I'm, but I'm really happy for Casey to come back and, and kind of like reunite with his little family there because I know that everybody there is super close. Um, and I'm sure they're probably happy to have him back. Yeah. Aaron's a rad guy. Known him for a few years. Wish him all the best. I hope he ends up somewhere where he is happy and can flourish like the flower that he is. I wonder if he's going to do like what one of the doctors did where he just what, go, like drives around and drinks beer now. Like that would be pretty sweet. Can I have that life? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that this is exciting news for Bioware fans, not because we're losing Aaron because, you know, as we've noted, he not only has overseen some incredible projects while he was at Bioware, but he's just an all-around really nice person. And that's always a wonderful thing to come across in any industry, but particularly in an industry like video games where, you know, we're kind of bombarded with, you know, sometimes this (laughs) negativity in the the online space. Um, But Casey coming back is really exciting. And I'm anticipating what he's going to do with Anthem. Obviously, Anthem has been underway for quite some time, so it's not like he's going to be changing the trajectory of the production in a massive and he's also, way. He's At least like, I have he's to assume. more general manager than I think necessarily, like you said, like than influencing necessarily what they're going to be doing on the Anthem, but that's all. <laughs> we're dramatic like, really, silence. Yeah, dramatic what? silence again. But like, that's, that's my so... point. Is more like I think people are probably. I mean, I uh, concerned because of you know everything with Mass Effect three and the way that that ended, and um, you know having Casey come back. I'm sure that there's skepticism there. But 
I I just think like he's not going to have that same exact role, right? He's going to be now running the whole studio, um, whereas before he was like, uh, God, what's can't remember this title off the top of my head. You just said it too. What was it? Executive producer or uh, he had a bunch of different titles of, while he was there. All yeah, of the titles. Uh, <laughs> director, he Mass was, Effect trilogy, yeah, creative director. director. Um, yeah, so I'm sure he'll obviously have some influence, but like Andrea said, the ball, the the train's rolling. He's not mm-hmm. gonna like derail it and be like, no, no, we're going over here now. <laughs> right, right, right. It's not like they brought in a random Joe Schmo from the streets. They're like, okay, right. big shoes to fill. I mean, clearly he's spending some time with Flynn, and I am confident in Casey, and I'm confident that Aaron will leave Casey. In well, Casey will whatever. Aaron will leave Byron. Aaron will leave. Yeah, there Aaron will leave Casey. Do you <laughs> yet, think yeah. that? Um, the performance of Andromeda had anything to do with Aaron leaving? Or do you think it is, as he said in his blog post, that it was just time for a change? He'd been at the company for a while and just wanted some new scenery. A little I mean, column A, a little column B. <laughs> right, that could be it. Now, if Andromeda had performed extremely well for Bioware and the reception was like, oh my God, this is amazing, you know, would we be speculating that he's leaving because of the game? Do you know what I mean? So it could have been all along like, hey, I'm going to work on Andromeda, finish it up and peace out. But now because the game uh, didn't perform as well as I think many had hoped, it's just maybe it appears that way. So I think it's hard to say. I don't know if we'll ever know. Yeah. I, yeah. In speculation terms, I would say it's probably something along the lines of he was already feeling a little, I mean, he'd been at that job for seven years, like that specific role, GM, which is a big burden to have on, on your shoulders. Um, then I just think the sort of messy launch of Andromeda kind of compounded it to the burnout that he was probably already feeling. Um, and I think, and then once it was like, oh, hey, Casey can step in here. Great. Like, awesome. I'm going to go on vacation for a really long time. <laughs> yeah, right. Just, yeah, I don't know what he's doing next, but yeah, I'm, I'm hoping he gets a good, a few pina coladas in there. <laughs> <laughs> well, Aaron, thanks for all the hard work uh, at Bioware over the years. Have some pina coladas, take some photos and post them on Twitter and we'll, we'll retweet. Uh, so we wish them the best of luck. And of course we'll keep an eye on, you know, what Casey will be up to when he's, you know, back at the helm of Bioware. Uh, our last big story for our news segment this week, the Nintendo Switch online app is available now. I downloaded it before we went live on the show. Um, okay, that's f- not true. We aren't live. Uh, but I did download the app. So in advance of Splatoon 2's launch, Nintendo has released its new mobile app that will handle most of the social functions of the online gameplay experience. Called the Nintendo Switch Online app, it's going to be the place for most of the console's internet functionality and features that it provides will differ from game to game. For example, when Splatoon 2 comes out, uh, players will be able to use the app for voice chat, game invites, and the dedicated Splatnet 2 service that was detailed in a Nintendo Direct earlier this month. The app is available now on iOS and Android devices and will be free to use until Nintendo's paid online service launches in 2018. So as we have talked about on the show previously, Nintendo has said that their online service will be free for all of 2017, I think that's kind of like a, a beta test period for them. And so they're not going to charge. They can't charge but... for what they have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of which, what they have with the functionality of this app, I I took a screenshot of a tweet 
that I saw when I was. Uh, <laughs> I think I know when what I was this would be. Scrolling through, somebody um, somebody tweeted. It was ah uh, yes, it was Nick Robinson, and he said. Xbox Live launched on the original Xbox in 2002 and literally had better, more robust online features than the Switch 15 fucking years ago. <laughs> From Ad Babylonian. Yeah. Thanks, Nick. Um, so, okay. He brings up an amazing point that Nintendo is just really really far behind when it comes to online connectivity and functionality. Okay. Go ahead, Britt. <clears throat> okay, so... Again, let me preface this. I am not a Nintendo hater. I love Nintendo. I buy all of their consoles. I buy every Zelda Mario game they put out. I love Nintendo. I just don't understand what the they're doing sometimes with their business decisions. So this thing is just so ass backwards. I don't know why you would take like a formula, formula that's been tried and true and has worked, like you said, Andrea, for many a year, and try to revamp it into this weird, super cordy, messy situation. Um it just doesn't make sense. Now, the only thing I can think of is that they're trying to be kind of sneaky squirrels and create a barrier to online play. So they kind of maintain that family friendly atmosphere. You know what I'm saying? Mm hmm. Yeah, uh, I, I hear you. Uh, it just doesn't yeah, make so any sense. So basically, like, instead of having um, potential issues by integrating chat on their console. So like that's when you get what, like, you know, all of the accounts on all the hate chat that happens on Xbox Live and PlayStation, um, relegating it to a phone, which means most people aren't going to use it. The only people who are going to use it are the people willing to take that extra step. Um, and then hopefully they won't be <laughs> jerks to each other. <laughs> it, <laughs> That's kind of what you're saying, though, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the only thing I can think, like the only reason, Nintendo-ish reason I can think why they would make this so damn complicated i mean for example if you want to do if you want to launch multiplayer in splatoon 2 my understanding is you have to go you're in the game you have to Mm -hmm. go to like a multiplayer section and then you have to access your phone and then through your phone you have to send the invites and then you can like confirm everything through the game wait Um, really yeah like here here i have a quote from the worst user flow i've ever heard yeah, yeah, Okay, so first you'll yeah. need to head to the online lounge in Splatoon 2's multiplayer area. From there, you'll be prompted to create a room, and then you can push a notification to your phone. It's on your phone and only on your phone that you can then invite friends into a room. Not only, what? Not only that. No, no, this is frustrating shit. Um, not only that, you know, unless you buy a splitter that's being sold, I don't think has confirmation for uh, North America yet. I could be wrong, but it's in Japan. And it's the Splatoon 2 headset, and it comes with a splitter because if you plug, you don't get game audio is the problem. Right. You only get the voice audio. So you have to have the splitter. So now you have, like, cords everywhere. Like, look at this. That is the setup you will have to have. Oh, it looks what? beautiful. Yeah. I. You know what I said I wanted more of in the future? Cords. What? Cords. <laughs> I wanted so, more cords. It's interesting that you bring up the the cords and the setup because when I was you know looking around at some of the reaction to this coming out today I I saw a quote from Reggie Fizeme um from IGN and they were asking him about the mobile app and why it's tied to a mobile app instead of native on the hardware mm-hmm. and he said we want to reinforce the capability to take your experience with you on the go the ability to do matchmaking voice chat through your phone it's a hell of a lot more convenient than having a gamer headset stuck into your backpack trying to do that 
That's why we're doing it the way we are. We no, see the convenience. No. We see the ease of delivery. We think it's going to lead to a better experience. Except you need to plug the splitter into your friggin' console and your phone. How is that more convenient? It's it, the other thing, too, about this whole app. And granted, this this is early. Nintendo could implement changes that makes it more convenient. But you have to have the Nintendo app on your phone at all times. If you try to back out, if you want to, like, look up a walkthrough on the Internet, if you want to check your text, your chat is disconnected. It's gone. Really? Even yes. Discord doesn't do that. Wait, right. What? Yeah. Yeah. That's huge. Yes. So basically, we should all just use oh Discord. Oh, my gosh. No way. Right. I'm like. I'm re- actually like really mad about that right now. It's really, I don't know how that was a thing that was implemented into this app. But like I said, it's still early. They're not charging for it. Maybe they're waiting for fan feedback. I don't know how this would have passed anything, but it did. So it's it's just not, it's a very ugly, ugly solution. Very bad. Wait, not can good. I ask, if you guys are watching play... the video, my face is just like, <laughs> I'm just, I just like that. That's... Disbelief. It's mm-hmm. mi- it's mind blowing that they would do something so backwards like right. that. Like, how was, did they handle Splatoon of, one? I don't know. There, that was I don't know. There was um. It was it wasn't it just online voice chat through um, like using like you would get through the Nintendo codes. I don't know. That's what I'm. Tr- I don't think there was. Or was voice, there no maybe there was no chat. voice chat, but you just were able to add friends easily, like with your friend codes, right? But you're what from what it sounds like you're saying, Britt, is now you can't even just add your friends through your friend codes on your console. You have to go through this app. Is that correct? That's what it sound. That's what it sounds like. Now, granted, I haven't played Splatoon two, so I haven't well, used this out. app. Right, right. And so I, I haven't actually used the functionality of it. But from what I've read online through several articles, that's what it sounds like. That you're you're gonna have to use your app if you want to participate in um, online matchmaking and chat. So that's weird. I was trying to give Nintendo the benefit of the doubt with the cell phone thing with the app, because let's face it, the vast majority of people around the world have a smartphone in 2017. That's just a reality. Yeah, but the problem is. That when you think about families that have children who probably are going to want to play games like Splatoon 2, all the kids in the world don't have smartphones. Sure, some privileged kids do. So what are you going to do? Have to get each of your kids a smartphone so that they can chat with each other while they're playing Splatoon 2? That just doesn't make sense. Well, why would your kids need voice chat on your phone, though? Wouldn't they just be in the same room? No, but if they have friends that they're playing with, in nobody had other... friends when I was a kid. No, I'm just oh, salty Simer, she's out. Friends. I'm just kidding. No, it doesn't. Again, <laughs> like you so know, that's a barrier. But yeah, I mean, sorry, sorry, Brett. I just, just to reiterate, you're telling me that when I pull up the app and I'm on the app and you and I are playing Mario Kart doing voice chat, and I get a text message, and I go to respond to the text message, it'll disconnect me from the chat. Yes. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's what? bad. I mean, I would imagine that this is something that I hope They're gonna this will fix. be something that will be right? fixed. <laughs> yes, I hope. For the love of God, please. That's why I was like, they can't charge for this yet. I mean, granted, their no, little online not. game streaming library collective, what's it called? Classic game selection isn't out yet either. And that's going to be part of the subscription package. But um, 
it just boggles my mind and I'm trying desperately to find a reason, a purpose. And I think that is maybe they're just trying to create a tougher barrier to entry. Uh, like if I, I was playing Minecraft on the Switch and I was easily able to play with Jason, uh, I didn't need the app to do that. So I'm not sure if it's going to be like you need the app to do online chat and organize parties for specific games. I don't know if that's made very been made clear yet. Uh, clearly, it's a messy situation right now. So hopefully we'll get some clarification in the future. Well, we'll find out real soon when Splatoon 2 launches and we all try to play together and we're like, yeah. how do I add you? Oh, yeah, <laughs> I think we're going to... Yeah, the app just launched um, the day that we recorded this. So Wednesday, and this obviously the podcast is going to be out on Friday. So hopefully in that period of time, in that like 36 hours or whatever from now until then, some people will be doing some extensive testing and we'll get some more information about exactly how the app is going to function. And then, of course, Splatoon 2 goes live uh, today, the day the podcast is out on Friday. And then that'll go out to a much larger audience. Um yeah, troubling uh, is what this news is. So, <laughs> yeah, I, if it was just, I honestly, I wouldn't mind it if it was just like, there's this really ass backwards way of getting voice chat, like whatever. That's fine. Because again, we could just use Discord. We can use something else. But if it's like, well, now I need to go to the game and then I need to look at my phone in order to just get us in a party. That's where I'm more concerned. I'm not concerned about the voice chat because there's other options. Right. We'll have to see how they utilize this and how they how they respond to feedback because uh, none of it is good. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, that Nintendo. Is, that is one hundred percent true. Okay, well, uh, that is going to wrap up our first segment of news. When we come back after the break, we will talk about what we've been playing, which includes Zelda, Destiny Two Beta, and a whole bunch of RPGs from the break. Uh, <laughs> stay with us, guys. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. It's segment two of the What's Good Games podcast. So that means it's time to talk about what we got hands-on with. And this week was the premiere of the Destiny 2 beta. It went live first on PlayStation 4, then uh, for pre-orders also on Xbox One. It'll be available to everybody who wants to give it a try uh, on July 21st on both PS4 and Xbox One. And the PC beta is coming at a to-be-determined date at some point in late August. So, ladies, we all have gotten some time with this. I'm definitely going to be playing more of it. But, Britt, what are your first impressions? Uh, first impressions, honestly, it just feels like a more polished Destiny from what I played. I played the opening, uh, cinem- what was it called? The opening story Homecoming? scene. Homecoming, yeah, thank you. Um, and then I did this strike. And I was like, this is awesome. I love it. And now I'm just anxiously awaiting the full retail release. I mean, it feels better. It, lo- it looks more uh, cinematic. Is that Does that make sense? Like, I feel like it just looks better and there's more things going on. You f- I feel I felt more immersed, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. 
but I'm not really a crucible kind of person. I don't like competitive online multiplayer, so I didn't jump into any of those modes. You were playing uh, which class? Titan. Titan. Now, is that Captain America. In, is that what you played in the regular Destiny and original Destiny? Yep. Okay. Yeah. What did you What did you think about the shield? Uh so in the last Destiny, and I'm not a Destiny fan like Andrea, so correct me if I say anything incorrect. Um, in the first Destiny, you have the bubble thing, right? The shield. Yes. And I I prefer that because I like to be more of like a defensive player. Uh, which is weird being a Titan. I think that's more of like your tanky offensive, like rah rah, I'm gonna go get in your face and destroy you. No? You can well, be, I mean, yeah. just, you can be tanky defensive too. That's what Okay. Fine. Yeah, that, that's my jam. Um so it was it was good. I mean I only used it maybe a handful of times and it was fun, but half the time I felt like I was missing. Like I wish there was some sort of auto lock. So I was like trying to bash him like a Z targeting, like the Zelda people will understand that. That would have been appreciated, or maybe I'm just rusty and need some more time with it. But uh, I definitely would have preferred the shield, the shield, the bubble, the bubble, the bubble, the shield. Well, bubble. the good news is that the Sentinel subclass for Titans is not mandatory. Uh, the original subclasses are returning. Uh, they're revamped a little bit, but uh, you'll definitely be able to get your bubble on. If, yeah. <laughs> if that's what you want. <laughs> bubble, bubble, butt, bubble, butt. Um, Steimer and I got to play together, and we both rode out as Arc Striders, which is the new subclass for Hunters. I have played with all three classes in Destiny, but Steimer, did you get a chance to play with uh, the Titan or the Warlock in original Destiny, or did you only play Hunter? I started off as a Warlock when I first played Destiny, um, and then I realized that the Warlocks don't have super awesome capes. Yeah, and so I true. immediately re-rolled <laughs> as a hunter and never looked back. Although I don't want us to all be the same thing. So I'm kind of like, maybe I will try a warlock. Because I think they had a pretty sweet looking new ability. They're, they're um, Dawnblade, correct? Is that uh, right? Am I messing I that up? Dawnbreaker? Dawnbreaker. Sorry. Is that thing where Dawn. you float in the sky it's and then the, you like the, rain like, hell? It's the fire elemental sword from Guild Wars 2. <laughs> oh, never mind. <laughs> Fiery um, great sword. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I might, I might try Warlock this time around. I've never really been much for the aesthetics of the Titan, so I don't think I would ever go Titan. Um, but I just such a cape person, and this is the thing that bothers me. I wish that they would have more customization, and so you could change the way your character looks a bit more. But that's another rant for another day. I do have to say, in the middle of your speech there, you froze for half of a second in a like this, uh-huh. you were like this for a second, <laughs> putting your hands uh, up in the air. It was kind of funny. Uh, so for people who were watching, Don Blade, you are correct. That was the name of yeah. the subclass, which is my bad. You got it right. Yeah. Um, points for me. Yeah, you know. Okay, I. I'm still a little ambivalent about each of these new subclasses. I think that they are still a little too similar Mm. to what we've already seen in Destiny. I don't think that any of them are so radically different that I'm like, ooh, how new and exciting. (laughs) I got really jazzed when we were at the Destiny 2 gameplay reveal event in Los Angeles when they showed the video of all three different subclasses and we got to see some gameplay, when I saw the Arc Strider 
gameplay, I was like, wow, that looks super cool. Looks like a Jedi with the, you know, it's like Darth Maul with his stick and, you know, really swirling around having a great time. And then we played it and it feels so much like Blade Dancer in a way that I'm a little disappointed. Now, I've done some reading and looked at some of the, you know, pro Destiny people and the streamers and the people who do a lot of YouTube content kind of getting their thoughts on it. And they're like, oh, this is what we wanted Blade Dancer to be. And now it's better. And I'm like, is it though? I guess technically there's a little bit different customization within the squeal tree that makes it more interesting. But I keep getting a little let down that Destiny 2 doesn't feel like a true sequel. It feels like an expansion pack. And as somebody who has put several hundred hours into Destiny, it's, you know, I want to maintain my enthusiasm. And don't get me wrong, I'm still going to play this game a lot. <laughs> but I'm I'm a little disappointed. And the beta has just reinforced that for me. You know, all of the content that we're seeing in the beta was the content that was at the gameplay reveal event. So we're playing the Inverted Spire, which is the strike, which is excellent. It's a nice long strike, and there's several different areas and some, you know, unique challenges within that strike. But the new PvP mode, which, Brittany, you got lucky. I forced Steimer into playing PvP Uh, with me. It wasn't as bad as I thought, honestly. See? That's what I'm saying. You You just gotta go for it. And it's much better when you roll with a fire team of people that you know and then you can all play together um it's tough going solo when you're in pvp particularly with the new redesign the 4v4 style on these new maps makes it a little bit more challenging to not work directly with your teammates i mean particularly in countdown the new mode that is in the beta where it's 4v4 and then one team is defending and one team is arming. So you have to go to a location on the map, arm a charge, and then once the charge is armed, you have to defend it from the other team. And then the other team's goal, of course, is to prevent you from charging the charging it in the first place. And then if you do get it, that they have to disarm it by ultimately killing you. And it, it was very evident that you have to work together. At the very least, you have to be in pairs of two, but better to kind of run together as a whole team of four. Steimer, how did you feel about that mode? What was your what was your kind of takeaway? Um, as somebody who doesn't play a lot of competitive multiplayer, I think I was very surprised at how short those rounds were. I mean, it makes sense when you think about it. But at, at, for, I was like, when the first one um, was done, I was like, oh, oh. Okay, because there's no respawning. Let me make that uh, right. notation uh, that in that okay. particular mode, once you die, you're, you're dead. dead. But there is an opportunity to get a revive if you are able to arm the charge. Yes. Oh no, pick up power or ammo. P- I think that's that's what there's it some is. yeah there's something that does that triggers like a revive. But um, I didn't I didn't mind it. Um, I I thought it was interesting. Again, I'm not. I'm. I think you said it was. It's similar to a different mode in call of duty is that what you said oh so that was control so in the beta oh, there's, there's two okay. different pvp modes that you can play so quick play is control which is the mode from previous destiny which where you hold a point on the map a b and c it's a very similar to domination in call of duty yeah gotcha it's almost identical um, like capture the flag essentially yeah that's that's what that one was um the arm disarm thing uh, i don't know i mean i didn't I didn't have like super strong opinions on it because I'm not a huge multiplayer person. 
Uh, but I thought it was fun when we were playing it. I was glad we had four people. I would not have enjoyed that at all if we were not a group of four that mm-hmm. was talking to each other. Um, because I do think you're right. I think it requires a lot of coordination and it, you know, you need to be talking to each other at all times if you want to do well. Um, because otherwise you're gonna be like, well, I'm over here getting murdered by everyone. Like, come help me. <laughs> but, but there's no other way to really communicate other than the headset. But. Um, Andrea, I wanted to ask you something. So you were saying that it feels more like an expansion to Destiny rather than Destiny 2. Do you think yeah. you could be jumping the gun a little bit, seeing as you haven't been able to explore the story or the new environments or anything like that? Because for me, that's what I'm looking Steimer's shaking her head. That's what, like, for me, I'm more of a story-based like Destiny player and more like I want to explore and, and roam the lands. And so for me, it's okay that it feels kind of like a more polished Destiny. But what do you think about that? You could be right. I could be jumping the gun. There are plenty of sequels that come back and they don't have brand new mechanics. They don't have brand new characters. They're not radically changing the storyline. They are just providing another installment in the continuation of a narrative that was already started. And there's nothing wrong with that. So it's very possible that uh, when Destiny 2 finally does launch in September, I'm going to be blown away by what they're doing with story. And, you know, they've different reps for Bungie have gone on the record to say there's going to be a lot of story. There's going to be much more story than you think there's going to be. You might think that there's too much story. I don't know if that's a thing. But um, (laughs) for me, one of the main criticisms I had of my time with Destiny, which again, caveat, I didn't stop playing it despite the fact that this bothered me, was that they reused environments, they reused enemies, they reused mechanics and content over and over again throughout Destiny. Even with the expansions, for the original Destiny over the three years or whatever, it it still felt like a lot of the same stuff. I kept seeing the same thing. The rays were truly the only unique piece of content that felt really different than the strikes or the story missions or even the Crucible. And we had to really see how that's going to play out in Destiny 2. We don't know yet. I mean, we do know that they've confirmed some new environments, but... The Cabal are back, and I was really hoping for a brand new enemy race. I didn't think that that was that much to ask for in a sequel. But I get that maybe it doesn't work with the narrative and the lore and the story that they're trying to tell if they bring in a whole new enemy race. And so they just kind of tweaked the Cabal a little bit, kind of like how they tweaked the Fallen and they tweaked the Hive in the various expansions. So, you know... Time will tell, Britt. It will. If if my um, disappointment, my premature disappointment is going to play out or if it'll turn around and be a game of the year contender. I really would love to see them get that recognition because they have really excelled at a few things. The, The live shared world shooting environment that they've created in the online space is fantastic. The multiplayer functionality of Destiny worked pretty much flawlessly, at least for my own personal experiences. So that was excellent. I didn't like it as much. As somebody who loves MMOs, uh, not that it, it, technically there was nothing wrong with it, right? Like it ran, it worked, it was good. Um, but for me, it just, I mean, and, and I'm excited to see the way that they're changing it now because to me, Destiny 1 felt like an MMO that didn't want you to talk to anybody. And that's kind but of... you could dance. You emoted purpose. through dancing. <laughs> you can only dance so many times. 
Those are some great dance moves. If you are listening, you, that. you, you need to go watch dance. the video because they're dancing. <laughs> um, dancing. Dancing, quote unquote. Um, so for that, like to me as an MMO player, that was really disappointing because if I'm running up to like, okay, we're going to like take down this group event together. There's no, I, I, I lacked the sense of camaraderie that I would have wanted. Um, it sounds like they're starting to change those things. And I think that they, like, the make Stop. or break for me. I don't mean to interrupt you, but did you know that there's a team voice channel that when you enter those public instances that you could turn on and join whenever you wanted? But, but that, if you were. Sorry. Go ahead. No, I mean, but yeah, so it was like a button press and then you would enter the team voice channel and you could communicate with anybody in that public zone. I did not know that, but good to know. <laughs> and you don't need an app. You don't need an app. Don't no, need an app. It's a built into the client. Yeah, it was. I still, I'm still, was still disappointed by the way that they had it running before, but whatever. Maybe I just didn't know about the voice chat. Also, but here's the thing though, for me. I don't want to voice chat with people. Well, see, I then what like, are you complaining type about? Type to them because I type. So, like, because I'm an MMO player. But so, like, this the thing that I PC like to do game. is, like, you have a little bit of distance between the people, but you can still engage the way you want to. Emotes, <laughs> like, no, I get it. I get it. the same point I'm, you bring up, though, because now we're going to see how they're going to handle chat with the PC client that they're going to be using you know obviously they're going to be launching through blizzard.net and you know we don't know how the in-game chat is going to work in the pc version of the game maybe they will have keyboard functionality because clearly on console trying to type with the controller is a waste of time <laughs> um so it will be interesting to see how chat functionality will work on the pc version because stammer you were saying when you normally play you know pc mmos you are able to text chat with people yes that is basically the primary way of chatting with folks um unless you know them in real life i don't think usually people are hopping on headsets so um you, it's easy to just quickly be like hey guys um what's this over here like so i got lost in one part of guild wars 2 and i just went into map chat and was like yo i need some help um, at this certain part and then people came and helped me and I didn't have to actually talk to anybody in real life and it was great. <laughs> so when you were talking about like you could hop on the headset, I'm like, eh, like that's a thing I don't even know that I would want to do, talk to strangers, especially, you know, sometimes when you are a female on the internet, it doesn't go so well. It's um, okay to say most of the time. Yeah. Most of the time yeah. it does not go well. Which is why text chat is great because you know you have it's just hi, I need this thing, and then people will answer your question and you're done. You walk away. Yeah, and obviously playing on a controller on console, it's not easy to text chat. Absolutely. And that's why, you know, the voice functionality has been there in the game. But yeah, well, like we said, we'll have to wait and see when the PC version comes out, if that's something that's changed. If you saw that kind of functionality in the PC version, would you play it on PC instead? No, because I'm going to play with you guys. Um, so <laughs> so we're all going to squat up, and it'll be fine because we are squatted up. But I'm just saying, like, I, I and it wasn't even necessarily from my, my perspective, but I was just saying, like, the way that they had sort of tried to pitch it, it didn't feel as community-focused originally as it does now, like the way that they presented it at the Destiny 2 event does feel like they're trying to make it um, feel a bit more like an MMO. Not entirely, obviously, but they are trying to it's add a in a few more of those features. Shooter. Get it yeah. right. <laughs> Sorry, whatever. I'm going to call it MMO stuff. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fine. And I think that 
we have talked about how they're holding back a lot of the really cool content, the new exploratory functionality that they're adding into the open world, some of these new side quests they're doing, the treasure hunting, things like that. And obviously they're, you know, making a more robust offering in the Crucible in the PvP modes, which you ladies have already said that you don't really want to try, but I'm going to ask you to help me out. I'll do it again with you. I, I had a good time um, last night, but I'm sure it will get worse because people will get way better. <laughs> I'm a good decoy. But the good news is right now the way that Destiny works is that um, the gear and things that you have are all leveled out when you play, except for Iron Banner events. And that's when the the level of your gear actually has a real world effect against your opponents. It's all you're all kind of like on an even playing field when it comes to your gear. Which Ex- yeah, which with gear, sure, but your Twitch reflexes, not so much. Yeah, I was gonna say gear <laughs> isn't the issue; practice. it's skill. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so. Um, if you guys haven't tried the Destiny 2 beta and you want to try it, it is going to be available for all people to try on Xbox One and PS4 starting July 21st through the 23rd. The PC beta, as I mentioned, is coming sometime in August. And they are opening up an area called The Farm, which is supposed to be like the alternate version of The Tower on the yeah. final day of the beta only. So on July 23rd, mm. if you guys want to check out a new area, they're letting people kind of poke around and explore that a bit, but that's only on July 23rd. So How many dance parties are going to be happening yeah, let's there? Go. We'll dance party. It'll be great. <laughs> All right. So ladies, it's time to move on. Brittany, you have quite a list here in front of me and uh i want to know what of these games do you want to talk about next <laughs> you don't want to spend all night talking about all the games i've been playing i uh, mean of course I, of course i do but we only have so much time okay so real quick i have been playing chrono trigger horizon secret of evermore the destiny 2 beta and breath of the wild so i've been playing quite a bit and it's kind of getting to that critical mass point where if i take on any more i might just like blow into a million pieces um yeah, I, I mean, how could you... These are all massive games. I mean, except for the beta. But, like, yeah. these are giant games. I don't know how I've gotten to this point, but I'm here and I'm trying to make the most of it. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's kind of intense. Um, so I'll talk about Secret of Evermore a bit. So um, Secret of Evermore released in 1995, and I'm also playing Chrono Trigger, like I said. So I'm kind of on this old, like jrpg kick right now um and this is a game i never played growing up it's a game that i watched my grandma play when i was like seven um so it's it's cool to finally play it um what i'm doing that's a little different with secret of evermore is i own a legitimate copy i remember buying it back in the day but so have any of you played secret of mana no 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 but i know what it is Okay. Yes, so, I know of, of Secret of Mana. Okay, so Secret of Mana is plays a lot like Secret of Evermore, but it was two-player. And so Jason and I played that together a couple years ago on the Super Nintendo. It was fantastic. And Secret of Evermore looks like it should be a two-player game, but it's not. So we, uh, admittedly, this is wrong, whatever, found a ROM that's two-player, and we it came in a cartridge, and so we're playing Wait, why it. why is it wrong? I don't know, people. It's a legal move. It's a legal move. It's old, but I do own a legitimate copy, so I don't feel too shitty. It's something for some reason that I've always felt really bad about. But I am playing it, and we are playing it together. I'm the boy. He's the dog. And I'm maybe like six or seven hours into it. And it's uh, it's really cute and charming, and I'm kind of captivated by it. It's just something about like a 1995 JRPG with the graphics and the music, a Square game. You just can't get that nowadays. So it's really fun. 
I'm just, I love the image of Jason being the dog. <laughs> like, I'm just imagining him as this little 8-bit dog, like, burr, 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 like that yeah. next to you. Uh, 16-bit. Come on, sorry. Yeah. I was going to say, it's 16-bit. Come on. <laughs> uh, all of the bits. Have them all. Take them. <laughs> no, I mean, it's there's not a lot of depth to this game. The gameplay is fun. I mean, you know, you have your armor to equip, you have new weapons, and you level up your skills by practicing them and using them more and more. It's one of those... And it's kind of unforgiving in the sense that, you know, if you die, you're screwed. But the bosses are really difficult. And it's it's just a really fun throwback. And it's great to play it with someone. So I'm, you know, very late to this party, 22 years or so. But it's fantastic. It's fun. Cool. That sounds awesome. Um, Steimer. Yeah, hi. You (laughs) finally got to play Edith Finch. I did. What remains of Edith Finch? I did. I liked it a lot. Um... What I think I appreciated most about it was that, and I, I don't like using this term, but a lot of games like it are what I like to call walking simulators, and they aren't necessarily anything more than telling you a story. You don't really do much. You just kind of, like, let it hit you. Um, and I appreciated that they went sort of an extra step further and allowed you to really see the narrative from these other characters' perspectives and engage you more than you might normally find in a game like this. Um, so I thought that was really well done. I also thought a lot of the the storytelling was really clever, like you'd mentioned before when you guys were talking about it. Um, and yeah, I don't want to rehash too much because you guys kind of nailed it when you talked about it earlier, but I agree. I really liked it. Yay. And you're still playing Breath of the Wild. I am still playing Breath of the Wild. I played it at a coffee shop today and a man laughed at me. What? Why? I don't know. It was very confusing. I texted Brit during this, too. Because I was just like, I literally just pulled out my Switch. And a man sitting, because so there was sort of stadium seating. So I was sitting below and he was sitting above me. At a coffee shop? Yeah, it's weird. Venice. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so he was just like, he just starts giggling. And I was looked up and he's looking at me. And I was like, so I I just kind of moved into a corner away from him i still think he was awkwardly trying to hit on you like haha i met a girl at the coffee shop with her switch and now we're married and have 10 kids like that's probably the future he had envisioned for you guys you know laughing at me is not the best way to get into my pants sorry maybe he was trying to neg you but he, he said nothing he said nothing he just laughed I love that Steimer though is playing Breath of the Wild because I'll get these random ass like angry texts from her that make no sense, no context, whatever. She's just pissed off about like some. She's like, "God, the electrical guys are killing me," and I'm like, "What electrical? Guy? Oh, the bats, the keys." And she's like, no, "Yeah, not the bats. The, no, they're shooting shocker arrows at the me. Oh, the 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 gob the the bo- hobgoblin. They're not hobgoblins, goblins, but whatever they are. The goblins. Um, yeah, they're yeah. shooting shock arrows at me." And I'm having a very hard time getting past them. <laughs> no, come on. All you have to do is dodge the shock arrow. It's not that hard to dodge the thing, it. It's, and then it, you shoot them with your arrows. It's because I'm playing, I was playing outside and it's actually just really hard to see the screen. So I was doing uh-huh. my best trying to like mm. get the light right. Um, but eventually I just stopped playing it because I was like, I, this is meant for it. A darker room and I also at certain <laughs> times of day um I should have just probably waited at a fire I could see the screen fine during when it was daytime in Zelda but as soon as it started to hit dusk I was like I can barely see what's happening within five feet of me like I had you no more like draw a lot distance. of excuses timer you know what Andrea <laughs> I'm gonna take you with me next time I'm like make you play this game in the sunlight and see how well you do uh, so 
I've also been playing Breath of the Wild. Uh-huh. Um, I played a lot on both of the trips on the airplane across the Atlantic Ocean. And um, I, you know, I'm having a good time. I'm not quite like super hooked into it. Like I'm not at all moments of the day going, oh my gosh, I need to play more Zelda. But I definitely want to see more and do more against people's advice. So I went to Twitter. If you guys follow me at Andrew Renee on Twitter, I asked people for their tips and tricks. I got plenty of cheeky responses. Use a sword. Hey, thanks. That's great advice. Um, but I got some you know, good advice from people. And Brett, as you mentioned on the podcast last week when you guys were talking with Mary about it, everyone plays Zelda a little bit differently. I It was pretty split between people recommending to level up stamina versus level up hearts first. Some people said, oh, you should go to this one divine beast right away. Other people said, don't do the divine beast. Go get all of your hearts filled first and get the master sword and then go and do the divine beast. So I've been kind of marching to the beat of my own drum and I decided to go to the Zora region and um, see the fish people and do the... (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to get to the fish people. Zoras. Um, You know, when you first meet Sidon like at the base and he's like, hey, I'm in the water. Come and follow me. By the way, it's a really long path up the hill. Hope you're up for it. I was like, it can't be that bad. And like, it, it's long, but it wasn't particularly challenging. It is um, when you play it in the sun. <laughs> well, my thing is that I've discovered a love of cooking. So before I approach any place, I cook a lot. I really just love the cooking music. It's, it's just cute. so happy. Yeah, I like it um, too. Especially when it gets like the little extra thing on the end when you've made like an extra special. Mm-hmm. The um, little jingle thing. you get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it, it's very nice, but... Um, Yeah, I think the key, of course, is to just go in prepared. And um, I did have a little bit of trouble with uh, Ruta, the elephant divine beast, which is the one that you Mm. can choose to to defeat uh, for that region. So I may have looked up a walkthrough and uh, looked for some help with the puzzles because I have no shame in that because I am playing this game for the enjoyment of the relaxation of it. And, you know, if that means that I want to skip through a puzzle, so be it. You can judge me if you want to. There was a shrine I straight up skipped because it was all, um, like, motion with the Okay, was it like the Marble Madness? Yes, it was about. What you do is you take your, whatever you're playing on, and you just flip it. And that's what worked for me. And ten out because I tried it ten times. Like I don't ask, I was drunk. But ten out of ten times, it literally it went in the hole because I couldn't believe it. Because I was struggling. That's what she said. What? I was, I was struggling with this <laughs> as well. I couldn't believe it. It went in the hole. <laughs> I was struggling with this as well, and I was getting really frustrated. And I was like, ah, oh, and I kind of like threw my controller, but not really. I like flipped it. I did the motion of a flip, and it goes right in. Hole in one. And I was like, hmm. And so I did some math. And I'm like, how many times will this happen? And then I did it 10 times and it went in 10 times. So, no, no, no. Just remember, just like flip your controller and it'll work. Go back to it. I'll try that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Does that work when you're playing it as the solid unit? Or did you do that with the pro controller while you were hooked to a TV? I did that to the pro controller. Oh, okay. Well, we'll I was going to say, because obviously I was playing it while I was traveling, so I w- it wasn't docked. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so if I flipped the entire unit, I wouldn't be able to see what I'm doing. Well, right. yeah. Yeah, I um, I entered that shrine on an airplane back from San Francisco to LA and was like, nope, this yeah. isn't happening. Trying to I do this on an airplane. I that shrine as well. I was like, this is, this is something that I may never do. I may yeah. just leave this undone. Because <laughs> yeah. there are, what, 127 shrines in the game? It's yeah, something so- crazy. And I have put probably 80 hours into it, and I haven't even found half of them. I'm, like, right at that point. So good. <laughs> no way, man. <laughs> Love it. Okay, so here's what I want to say about Zelda. Since I know we've already talked about Zelda quite a few times, and I don't want our listeners and viewers to be like, ugh, they're talking about Zelda again. <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> Maybe if you're like me, that's how you feel. No, but, I understand. Hey, I get um, it. I see what people really loved about this game. I think I'm starting to understand why people are calling it a potential game of the year. Why it got so many tens and nines when it came out? More tens than nines. I mean, it's really excellently done. The idea that you can essentially scale pretty much every surface in the game is really interesting that you can walk pretty seamlessly from one area to the next with very minimal loading screens. The loading screens that I've only seen have been when I died and which has been or when helpful. you enter Don't a shrine. Mm-hmm. Right. So like, but the, but the loading going into a, in and out of a shrine is pretty quick. Yeah. It's um, not bad. Which has been, you know, which is a technical feat, you know, so hats off to Nintendo for that. The thing that I'm having trouble with, that I'm having trouble reconciling with this idea of, oh my gosh, but you can go anywhere in Zelda. You could climb up to the highest mountain and then paraglide off. My thing that I just don't get is why. What's the point if there's nothing up there for me to discover? Sure, there are plenty of parts in the world of Zelda where there's a thing or a person or a treasure or something for you to go out and find. But there are far more areas of the world where there's just grass and trees and an occasional like dragonfly or you'll come across (laughs) some cranes you can shoot or deer or whatever. But there's nothing there. It's just empty land and Skyrim had this problem to a little bit but I felt like Skyrim populated the world quite a bit more than Zelda has and that's my biggest criticism so far in my experience and I'm about 10 to 15 hours in which is like a drop in the bucket for Zelda which I'm completely aware of but I've spent a lot of time walking because I haven't yet tamed a horse and I've ridden a horse for like two minutes once and i was like oh this is great and then i like lost him and then i was like oh now where do i find another horse and now i haven't found another horse since but oh, you have to register I'll- your horses did you know that nope didn't yep. know that find I'll a stable figure that out yep <laughs> so i haven't found a stable yet but um so i've been doing a lot of walking and there's just there's just not that much to see in hyrule and hmm. that's a little disappointing. I really appreciate the technical feat and the exploratory function of this open world. And I th- get why people really love it. But I just don't think it makes sense to just throw in this exploration if there isn't stuff to see along the way. See, I disagree a little bit in the sense that I think what I liked about it is that there were little things. There, were, I mean, you need to be paying attention or you'll miss it. Um, Things like 
the Korok seeds. Like I, the first one I came across, I didn't know what it was. I just saw a flower that then moved, and then my natural inclination is to go follow it and see what the hell's going on. And then you know, finding different things that are like that, you're like, oh, I see a bunch of petals flowing in the wind. What's that? Run after it. Go see. You know, like it, it's exploration in that way versus a traditional way. The thing I think I'm going to run into is I think I am going to get tired of this eventually because I think it's going to get repetitive. Um, because while it's like fun and exciting at the first few times, if the, how many Korok seeds are there, Brittany? Like a bajillion? Uh, the number that's coming to my head is 900. No. I don't know. What? That's, no, no, I'm probably wrong. Let me check. Let me check. Let me check. It's <gasps> like, that's a lot. Holy crap. Um, but. You know, so that's more of what I think I'm going to run into at some point is I feel like the enemies might get a little tiresome. Um, you know, 80s hour, eight, eight, wow, 80 hours into this. Am I going to find that same delight in finding a Koroxy that I did at hour 10? There are 900. Yeah, I'm not finding all of those. <laughs> See, that, that to me is another thing that I've criticized other open world games for. Why? Why are there 900 well, things that you could potentially collect in a game? I don't think it's to collect them just to collect them because you can obviously use these to upgrade uh, your inventory slots, which is very, very crucial, especially as you progress. I think they're so well hidden that out of all of the 900, how many of those are you really going to find? That's but more how I'm looking at it. the point of having somebody program that in, an artist to draw it, you know, like somebody had to make those things. Somebody chose to place 900 seeds in the game for you to find. Which like 1% of the gaming population who even make that game will, will find. Right, yeah. right. So, yeah. so for me, um, I don't know. And I'm not saying, Andrea, you don't know what to look for. Because I'm just saying, you know, I've been playing Zelda for a very long time. So if I see like a circle of rocks or if I see like a bush or a rock on the ground that looks odd or if I see a lake I know to use magnesis and see if there's anything so I go into an atmosphere in Zelda and I walk I don't use mounts at all because I want to be able to find and look for everything um so for me I don't I feel like actually Hyrule is very well populated and that's probably because I'm finding things and maybe just maybe because I know what to look for um and as far as the the 900 seeds go, again, I think it's just it, that's kind of the, the wonder and magic of Zelda that I think Breath of the Wild has done so well is that it makes you feel like this land is alive and thriving and there's all these secrets to find and you just got to look kind of hard for them. And you feel like you're in like a majestic land with unlimited possibilities, if that makes sense. It's kind of nerdy. No, but. It, no, it definitely makes sense. And I think that this speaks to why you are such a Zelda super fan and I'm kind of like a Zelda meh. Right. You know, because to me, the game needs to communicate to you in at least a minimal way, right? Like at some point, the game needs to say, hey, did you think about looking for this? Or Mm -hmm. hey, did you find this? Like whether it be through a hint, whether it be through a conversation you have with an NPC, whether it be through a quest line that then is indicative of other things like, oh, you do a quest line to find one thing and it kind of holds your hand through the quest line and then you'll find those markers throughout the world and then you have to find those on your own. Mm-hmm. I I think that, I mean, obviously this is two different schools of thoughts because some people out there listening and watching are going to say, but I like not having that hand holding. I like doing it on my own. I don't want somebody to tell me what to do. And then there's gamers like me who say, I don't have time. 
I don't have time to figure all this stuff out on my own. I just don't. I have too many other games to play. There's too much else going on. The idea, Britt, that you've told me you've put 80 hours into this game, you've only gone to one of the Divine Beasts, and you're not even thinking about the main storyline, is like it's a little mind-boggling to me because I, I can't imagine spending hundreds of hours going through a narrative now i know that sounds a little hypocritical given the fact that i've put hundreds of hours into replaying the same strikes and destiny (laughs) and playing paragon which is like the same map over and over again but but those are multiplayer experiences which differ every time correct right um Um, so so it's just yeah i mean listen I'm starting to see why people are raving about the game. That's the bottom line I want to drive home. I'm going to keep with it. And I will check in. Uh, not next week because I'm going to need more time. But maybe like maybe Steimer and I can do like a Zelda check-in like three or four weeks from now. Or two or three weeks from now. Depending on how much we're able to play. Like another 20, 30 hours from now. And say this is where we're at. Yeah, and I just want to say as well, like, Zelda Breath of the Wild isn't the kind of game that I can just play, like, day after day after day. I do need to take a few, like, days off from it because it can get kind of tedious to just wander around and not do a heck of a lot because the game isn't that story-based. It's more of, like, explore. You're this little peon in this huge atmosphere, in this huge world. Like, go explore, you know? So the 80 hours have been stretched out over a long time. So I totally get that. Um And it is interesting for me to hear your perspective because I think it was during our Game of the Year podcast, I said, you know, it's a fantastic Zelda game for me because I've played this franchise ever since I was like five or six, you know, but as someone who is very new to the franchise, I can't, I'm curious to know what you think. And I, and I, to be honest, I think if you like the open world, like immersion, you'll love it. But if that's not your jam, you're not a huge Zelda fan. I'm not sure how much you'll like Breath of the Wild. So it'll be uh, interesting for me to hear your uh, feedback. All right, well, we will check in on Zelda later on, sometime in, in, in August, maybe in August. early September, depending on how much we get to play. So, um, ladies, is there uh, anything else you want to talk about? Britt, did you want to talk about Horizon at all? So Horizon, I'm very early into Horizon, maybe, like I said, not that many hours. Um and in the beginning, it was honestly kind of hard for me to get into because I had heard so many people talk about the scripting narrative and these characters. And I was a few hours in and I'm like, OK, I'm waiting. I'm waiting to get hooked. But after some major events take place now, I'm like, oh, my God, like I'm thinking about this game every day, even though I haven't had the chance to pick it up in like three or four days. Uh, really excited to uh, see more of it. You are going to get so hooked by the combat in that game because it starts out good but it gets great and then it really ramps up to a level of excellence that I haven't seen in a while. The way that they managed the different types of weapons, the different types of ammunition and how each of those weapons and ammunition correspond to different machines in the world and other types of enemies. It's it's so wonderfully done in a way that is so rare to find in games that uh, I'm really excited for you to experience that progression. I think you're really going to enjoy your time. Me too. Also, random tip, only because I've seen... I I skipped... I'm not sure if you did, Andrea. I skipped straight to Purple Gear. Um, I, like, just saved and managed to get the Purple Gear, which is the top-tier stuff. Um, 
fairly early on, like not super early. You'll need to, you'll, it'll be a little bit. Um, but I just kind of like skipped the middle tier of gear entirely and didn't have really any issues with that. Noted. So. Yeah, I spent a little bit of money on the middle tier of gear before I also realized that uh, if you just, you know, if you are a conservative fighter in some combat scenarios, you can do okay with the blue level gear. But yeah, um, one of the trophies is to get all of the sets of armor and gear for uh, the the purple. So I just started buying it all. I was like, wait, why am I wasting my money buying the middle level gear? And I think that's all about people's play style and how they want to approach combat. And I usually am a pretty conservative combat person. I don't go in... Guns blazing. Guns blazing <laughs> if I'm not powerful enough to. I love going in guns blazing if you are powerful enough. But in a Horizon, there's a lot of machines that will just eat you up mm-hmm. if you try to just take them head on without knowing what you're doing. Yep. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, no, that's a really good that's a really good pro tip. And I left the hunting grounds for the absolute last thing I did, but. They are a great place to go if you need to farm materials. So if you need to get certain things from certain types of machines to craft ammunition, uh, like, for example, if you need, like, blaze to make fire arrows, the Mm -hmm. grazers that you get at hunting grounds, there's, you can come across packs of them because they respawn in the hunting grounds much faster Mm. than they do in the general world. So if you need to pick pick up a lot of um, materials to craft, uh, the hunting grounds are a great place to do that. But I would recommend to go to all the cauldrons as soon as you can, because the sooner that you unlock the ability to, um, you know, overtake, the machines mm-hmm. versus just outright defeating them, the better. Noted. But go go when you are level appropriate. Otherwise, you'll regret it. <laughs> well, it happens. I mean, not necessarily. You can take the cauldrons pretty slow. Slow, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm just saying, don't be like, I'm level ten. I'm gonna hit up all of them. You'd be, you would be in for a world of art. Well, yeah, <laughs> of course. No. But no, I'm digging uh, it. Um, I really like Aloy. I think she's a very. I resonate with her a lot. Um. I, yes, it, finally the story is kicking in, and I'm and it's starting to click, and I'm starting to think about it. You know, for the record, I'm like five to seven hours into Horizon, and I'm thinking more about the story of Horizon than I am Breath of the Wild. So that's something that I'm really getting from Horizon that I appreciate. And do all the side quests, as many of them as you can, because they are so rewarding, and they'll pay off in the final mission. And that's the thing I will say uh, in the the immediate difference between now playing Breath of the Wild and Horizon, the side quests and the characters you meet in Horizon feel more robust. They feel like they have a bigger backstory. Oh, yeah. And like they connect to the main storyline in a really meaningful way, and they're all really, really well done. So enjoy your time. You're going to love it. You're going to get so into it. The story gets really good. It gets real good. I'm excited for you. Yay. Okay, so this is going to wrap up our hands-on segment for this week. When we come back, it's the grab bag off topic. What's it going to be? Nobody knows. Stay with us. We'll be right back.
Welcome back, everybody. This is the What's Good Games podcast, and now we are into our grab bag time of the show. And this week, we kind of were struggling to agree on what to talk about. And um, Steimer brought up a really fun idea of like, she said, since I was just traveling recently and Britt was traveling recently and summer is just all around a time that all of us out there travel. Um, If you are in the Southern Hemisphere, I'm sorry, it's winter where you are. But um, for us here up north, we all travel, we go on vacations, uh, we're on summer break if you're in school. And that means you need to figure out how do I game when I travel? And we all kind of have different systems. So Britt recently chronicled a little (laughs) issue she had during one of her recent travels where she was at a property that you were renting. So it wasn't a hotel. It was a like an Airbnb uh, or something. It was like it was a townhome. You can call it a townhome. Was it Airbnb like a time or share? No, 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 no. no. It, it's a uh, it's a hotel, but they own some townhomes. So they rent them out as if they were a hotel room. Okay. Oh. I've been to a hotel like that before. Yeah. Um and you couldn't play your SNES, which by the way, the fact that you brought your <laughs> SNES on your trip with you was amazing because what tvs even have component cable jacks anymore uh be surprised it was broke on the tv so So, what happened tell us the story okay so one of my favorite ways to relax and unwind and just kind of disconnect is to find a hotel find a small town somewhere near me go bring some video games and just hunker down play games grab dinner just kind of like do the thing eat good food whatever Um, And this is something Jason and I have been doing the entirety of our relationship. And it's quickly become, like I said, one of our favorite things to do. So last week we were like, hey, let's go to Leavenworth, which is this really cute Bavarian themed uh, town in eastern Washington. Christine, have you ever been there? Yes, I have. Yeah. So you can vouch for its cuteness. It's adorable. Really cute. Um, (laughs) And that was not sarcastic. That was was legitimate. It's adorable. Cute towns. And um, the secret of Evermore carts had just come in before we left and we generally will bring like breath of the wild before in the past we've brought um game boy games on the super game boy we've brought all sorts of things and so we've been playing breath of the wild on vacation but the uh, secret of evermore cartridge came in and we're like this could be really fun so uh off we go to leavenworth which is like a four-hour drive super nintendo in tow cartridge in tow two snes controllers were set so we get to the room around like oh i don't know like 10 o'clock or so and we have the component cables and everything, and we plug it into the TV, and I was getting this stupid, like, blue screen of death error, except for it was just a blue screen. There was no text on it. And sometimes it would, like, kind of glitch and work, and sometimes it wouldn't. So we were trying all the tricks, blowing on the cartridge, blowing inside the Super Nintendo, doing all the old school things. And uh, none of that worked. So we're like, shit, it must be the TV. What, what would a reasonable person do and then i found that there was a story about 30 miles away that was open 24 hours wait and, 30 yeah. miles yeah that's very far 20 that's, miles sorry that's 20 not miles. close <laughs> one oh, does no. what one must I've, I've been known to do things like this i actually brought my 55 inch tv to a lodge uh, a couple years ago because they didn't have tvs and i wanted to play halo <laughs> actually i think i remember this yeah, yeah i think i remember you doing that it was fantastic it was glorious uh, so this isn't out of the ordinary. This is something I'm I'm known to do. Uh, so yeah, we we hopped in the car and we drove. It was about uh, well twenty miles, thirty minute drive. I don't remember how long. Um, and we drove. We bought a cheap little hundred and like seventy five dollar like thirty two inch TV. 
I bought an HDMI component adapter in case there were any other issues, brought it back to good old Leavenworth and hunkered down. And after a few blows into the cartridge, we were able to play. And now we have an extra TV. <laughs> I love your it? tenacity because any other human would have been like, I guess this plan didn't work out. Or they would have called the hotel <laughs> desk and been like, See, That's Yo, what I bro. told her to do. So she posted about this online. And I said, did you ask the hotel to just give you a different television? <laughs> and she's like, well, no, we're like in the townhouse <laughs> thing. They and I was like, but you thought it was less inconvenient to drive 60 miles round trip. <laughs> so, okay. So the t- the the hotel lobby was closed. Otherwise, I, I would have done that. Um, Small maybe, town. That makes maybe, sense. Maybe not. I still might have driv- driven there. Um, yeah. You know, it worked in the end. And uh, that's that's my story. That's no, amazing. No, no, that's okay. I, I have to say, I'm kind of inspired by this idea that you and Jason take these little side trips to nearby places to just like veg in a hotel or an Airbnb or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you like go out and have dinner or whatever. And then you go back to your room and you're like, we're just going to have like a gaming marathon. It's like a, it's kind of like a modified staycation because you're not technically staying at your house. You're staying somewhere else, but you're not too far away. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I kind of like that. Maybe I'll pitch this to John. <laughs> no, do it. Do. And we get, get a place with the kitchen. You bake cookies, you drink your, your whiskey or your, your, uh, Coke. And it's glorious. It's really good. I would so highly Brit- suggest. Because you and Jason don't just drive travel. You guys do fly places. So what do you tend to do in those situations? Same thing. <laughs> what? You can't bring a TV with you. No, 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 no. But, you know, generally we'll bring something with an HDMI because you're more likely to find TVs with HDMI. Uh, the place in Leavenworth was kind of old, so they had component and it worked out, except for the component didn't work. Uh, but yeah, we've brought Super Nintendos. We've brought Xboxes, Playstations. Like, we bring our consoles essentially everywhere we go. We have a few retrons that can play the older games like Game Boy and Genesis and Super Nintendo and NES. That's been really helpful too. You guys are like super intense. I'm not, uh, yeah. I'm not, I'm not on that level. It's so fun. <laughs> it, yeah. Like Andrea said, it's not quite a staycation, but it definitely is like, it's a really, it's just fun. You just feel like you're like, I don't know, you know, when you're younger and you got to go in a hotel room and it was kind of exciting. Maybe just me. Anyway, no, absolutely. Yeah, I re- yeah, you like, remember ooh, that moment. Jumping yeah, on the bed. Yeah, exactly. But you're in another house and you get to like bake cookies and drink alcohol. It's fantastic. Ooh. No, I think I think that's awesome. Generally, when I game, when I travel. So I don't whenever John and I travel to cons together uh, and we go to conventions together quite frequently, we'll generally bring the PS4 Slim. Thank goodness. They made the Slim. Because not that the PS4 is super bulky, but the Slim takes up much less space in the rollerboard. Because, you know, you can't check the console. You have to carry it on board. <laughs> uh, and there's been several times where we've had to, like, unpack for security. And the security guards or uh, the TSA agents are like, oh, yeah, PlayStation. And you, like, fist bump it out. And then, like, send you on your way. <laughs> um, <laughs> yep. But, um there was one time when we brought a console to, I believe it was the PlayStation Experience in Anaheim. And I was deep into an obsession, which I still am, with Paragon, yeah. which is the free-to-play MOBA that Epic Games makes. And it's on, available on PC and on PlayStation 4. And I knew that 
some of the Paragon team was going to be at PlayStation Experience. So we had talked about it in advance about how we it would be fun if we could do like a meetup where we could invite other people to come and play Paragon and we would just set up our consoles because I have a games screen. So that's games, G-A-E-M-S. So the M and the E are reversed and it's a USB screen. It's a little monitor that you plug in to the PlayStation. It, it works spectacularly. I love this thing. They're incredibly hard to buy because they're almost always out of stock everywhere. But if you ever get your hands on one, they're excellent. They're super lightweight. And you can put the PlayStation Slim and the game screen in a backpack pretty easily. And then you're all set and ready to go. You don't need a TV. You don't need to have you don't have this monitor problem that you ran into. Mm-hmm. So if you have never tried using it before, um, and they're not they've never paid me to say this, by the way. Like this isn't like a paid endorsement. I just really love this product because I use it a lot. That's great to hear. And- I've uh, I had those for several years, but I've never pulled the trigger. So it sounds like you would recommend it. Absolutely. 100% recommend. And they work with anything that can take an HDMI. So if your computer has an HDMI plug into it, you could watch content from your computer on this external screen if you wanted to. Not that you would need to because generally like you're – oh, actually, I have one right here. So if you're watching it on video, it comes in this little carrying case. Now, this wasn't what I intended to do with this segment. but So this is the screen. So it's a good size, oh, as you yeah, can see. That's decent. Um, yeah. And it's super, super light. And it has speakers. So this is the new one. The original model didn't have um, as good as speakers. And so you can actually use this without a headset if you want. You could just use the audio from this. But there's just buttons for the uh, volume here and on the back is where you plug in uh, via HDMI. And they also have a headphone jack if you want to play with headphones. If you're like me and you're playing at your in-law's house and you don't want anyone to hear you playing Destiny or Paragon. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) And, of course, it's USB-powered, so it just plugs directly into the console. Um, It's a great product. Uh, But, so... To get to the story, mm-hmm. I met up with Nick Chester from Epic Games, who is their publicist. And we were in the lobby of the Marriott, which is right next to the Anaheim Convention Center, using the hotel, like, crappy Wi-Fi. But we were able to connect in fast enough. So he had his laptop, because if you're a portable gamer, everyone's like, hey, join the PC Master Race and just get a gaming <laughs> laptop, right? Mm-hmm. Um but instead, I bring my console everywhere. Uh, so I set up my console with my game screen, and I had my controller, and I'm all plugged in, and I'm connected to the hotel Wi-Fi. He's got his, you know, like, Origin laptop, and he's, like, set up and ready to go. We get into a game together, and then Andrew Reiner from Game Informer walks over and sees us, and he's like, wow, this is the nerdiest thing I've seen all weekend. Are you guys really playing a video game in the hotel lobby bar right now? We're like, hell yeah, man. Where's your console? Bring it down. He's like, no, no, I didn't bring my console. But it's a really fun experience, and that's the kind of camaraderie that really brings our community together and why we're all gamers is because we have that shared passion and that shared love for this medium that really just doesn't exist anywhere else. I mean, what you're not going to find people like in a hotel lobby, like having a shared viewing session of a television show. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good point. No, you wouldn't do that. But yeah, it was a, it was a fun experience for me. And, um, I highly recommend if you guys ever, 
think twice about traveling with your console if you're going somewhere. Maybe maybe bring it. Mm-hmm. Maybe just do it. I, f- I find it interesting that both of you are are people who would travel with their consoles because I'm the opposite. And I, if anything is remote, is the slightest bit inconvenient for me, I will not do it. So, for instance, even I have um, a gaming laptop. I have like a 15 inch Origin. It's too big. It's too big. <laughs> like for me, I'm like, I don't even want to bring that thing with me anywhere because like, I don't know why. There's just some like a mental block where I'm like, mm-mm. It's going to be heavy. It's going to be inconvenient. I'm going to have to break this thing out at security. I don't want to do that. Like, I want to just, like, glide through this airport as quickly as possible. Not so, if you TSA pre-check, you leave it in your bag. Exactly. I am pre-check. I am pre-check. But even still, like, I don't think I would ever be convinced to bring a console with me when I travel anywhere. And But that's why Except I was for... so excited about the Switch. Switch, Because I was yeah. like... It's somewhat, and I also used to travel before the Switch came out. Obviously, I've traveled a lot with my Vita. Um, the touchscreen is right. super wonky on it now, and it doesn't really work anymore, which makes me sad. But I used to play a lot of like old, older JRPGs on my Vita when I was playing, and that's how I played Lunar Silver Star Harmony and fell in love with it. Um, and so, like, that's more up my alley. Maybe that's because when I was a kid, uh, my parents literally just gave us Game Boys and was like, "Go, be free!" Like you. Will- <laughs> Yes. <laughs> this is how you live. This is how you game. You you game with it, this tiny thing and you take it with you everywhere. So now anything bigger than that just seems like too much for me to handle. Um, so like anything bigger than that switch would not do. And I even went through. Um, so even your I, Vita, you didn't bring that places? No, I did. Before so, the switch, I took the Vita with me everywhere. Then it died. The Vita yeah, but that's, that's bringing games Defunct. with you. Sure. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, I'm saying anything like a console, like anything massive, anything bigger than a bread box. <laughs> will, if it's bigger than a 3DS, me. it's not coming. With will you. not come with me on the plane. Um, and for even the Switch, it had like a little bit of an inconvenience because I realized you know the battery on this is not going to last me throughout a long flight. It's fine when I go to and from San Francisco. That's cool. But yeah, well, and the switch, like when it's in the case and you have like the Joy-Con holder and you have the cables, like it's not a small thing. It's not like it's carrying not. a 3DS. It really it's, isn't. Yeah, it's not like a Vita. It's not like a 3DS. Um, it, it's a bit more heft to it, but I'm okay with that. That's like, again, that's pretty much my limit. The switch is my limit for things that I will bring with me on an airplane. Um, but I even went through and like bought a specific power brick for the switch and bought like a cable so that I knew if I was on a long flight and this thing died, like I would be able to keep playing it. Um, so I'm going to Boston in August um, for like a family trip thing. And I'm like, that's where that's going to get busted out because <laughs> I don't think this thing will last six hours on a plane. Um, it will if you're plugged in. I, I, I flew pl- from Rome to New York playing the Switch. Did you use a pa- like an, you mean an external power cable or did they have a plug on the plane? No, I had to bring well I brought my USB-C cable with me and then I plugged that in to the power on the plane. But you have to bring ah. like the the brick that goes into the jack cuz not all planes have a USB um plug-in. They have like a traditional power plug and so you have to like have like the little brick that the USB goes into. Since I don't even know what kind of a Planum, like wh- what it's going to have. I just I bought a a power brick of its own, like like an external a standard, power battery. Ba- sorry, external battery yeah. is the is the correct. The only term. thing about those <laughs> that I kind of notice is that those bricks 
work very slowly when you're actively using the device. If the switch is just in your bag and connected to the power brick, it'll draw power pretty quickly. But I have just for my per- and obviously all of these batteries are different, but I noticed that it is a trickle. Like you yeah. you barely maintain. I I mean I have not I have not used or tried it yet. I did search specifically for a external battery pack for yeah, this just switch make sure you bring a so, plug-in brick just in case that's all i'm saying yeah yeah, yeah. oh yeah I'll, I'll bring one for sure so i'm not like stuck and then even in boston going god i can't charge this stupid thing it's stuck with my family well, yeah exactly because <laughs> none of them have an external power cable lying around for this switch <laughs> well you can't ask them for it because then they'll be like oh christine why did you bring your video game thing? We're all hanging out here having family time. That's exactly like, what they would Christine. say. <laughs> <laughs> that was How good. dare you use my name? <laughs> anyway, we got kind of down a rabbit hole there. Apologies to people listening. Um, so, uh, bottom line, Steimer. Yeah. Must be convenient to game on the go. Yes. Brittany will go to extreme lengths oh, no matter oh. how inconvenient <laughs> to game on the go. <laughs> Me, I'm kind of like Goldilocks. I'm in the middle. I'm like, I'll suffer a little bit of inconvenience, but I won't go to extremes. Just a little <laughs> bit. Just the right amount of inconvenience. <laughs> Weekly. Exactly. <laughs> um, did you other have any other travel gaming stories that you would like to share, ladies? trying to think but i don't not not besides the time that i briefly mentioned where i brought my 55 inch tv to a lodge and i had to carry it through the hotel lobby and then i hooked it up so i could play halo that was kind of the other story yeah but yeah. did the hotel not have a tv is that what no. you brought it? yeah yeah it was more one of those like adult only like lodges where it was just like you know, adults only. only. Like, no children allowed. And they didn't have TVs because they want you to take in the atmosphere and Mother Nature. and all. they want you to bang. Yeah, that too, probably. <laughs> there were chocolates in the room when we got there. But no, so yeah, we hold this big old 55-inch and Xbox, and it was great. It was a good time. <laughs> I wish I could see the look on the people's faces as you haul that oh. television into your room. Yeah, You're yeah. Like, I'm going to watch so much porn, you guys. I know. You know I was actually like, I was wondering, <laughs> wondering if they thought you were going to watch porn. Uh, here's a travel tip. Always call ahead and make sure that they have the TV you need. FYI. Everyone thinks we're like, okay, how big is the TV? Does it have component? Does it have HDMI? And they're like, wow. Like, what are well, you Well, because there are some really hotels watch that TV. have perfectly functional televisions, but they lock box mm. the HDMI ports so you can't plug anything in. I don't know why. They do that probably because they want you to buy the movies right. and the entertainment from the like in hotel system instead of bringing your own device and plugging it into the TV. But yeah. shame on you, hotels! Don't do that. <laughs> How I'm dare paying, you? I'm paying you a premium to use your shitty TV. Let me plug um, in my console. Oh, one more travel I story. I brought yeah, my Xbox 360 and Resident Evil Five to Mexico, Puerto Vallarta. Um, which turned out to be really good because I got E. coli there and I was bedridden. Oh, no. Oh, that's, I that's remember this, too. This is an in- I was hospitalized. It was insane. But before I was hospitalized, I was able to lay in bed in Mexico and play Resident Evil 5, and it was great. That's Did all. you bring the console to the hospital? No, but oh. my nurse liked Zelda, so that kind of counts for something. It, totally. we, we spoke in Spanish about Zelda. It was fantastic. But anyway, anyway, that's it. 
Well, that's that's an intense story to leave on. Teasing. <laughs> I'm alive. I made it. I made Good. it. Good. Well, Britt, we are so glad because we Thank love you. having you as part of What's Good Games. Well, ladies, yeah. this has been great. Uh, we've missed Alexa Ray. She will be back next week, as I've mentioned. Uh, another thank you to everyone who supports us on patreon.com slash what's good games. Don't forget, next week, we'll all be here in the Bay. We'll be doing our Patreon-exclusive live streams. Steimer will be making an update post about that very soon. Um, if you want to get in on that, you can go ahead and put your pledge in on our Patreon. And if you guys haven't yet subscribed to us on YouTube, that's youtube.com slash what's good games. And of course, as I mentioned at the top of the podcast, if you've made it this far, thank you so much. If you're <laughs> listening on iTunes or Google Play and you have yet to rate us or leave us a review um, or subscribe on those services, it would greatly help us out and we would appreciate it a lot. So, um, Britt, where can the folks find you and what you're doing over on Blonde Nerd? Everywhere at Blonde Nerd. Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, branding101. And .com. And blunder.com. Yeah. There's of that. Course. Steimer? I tried branding Brit. <laughs> Some man <laughs> took my name on Instagram. Someone has my name on Instagram, to too. He hasn't used it in five years, but I can't seem to get this stupid username back. <laughs> so uh, I'm Steimer almost everywhere, except for Instagram, where I'm Steimer. And I'm at Andrea Renee almost everywhere. We're on Instagram. I'm Andrea Renee underscore at the end. Because why not? Um, I will also be at San Diego Comic-Con. So if you're listening to this on Friday morning, if you're in San Diego listening to this, maybe on your way to San Diego, I am honored to be hosting the Life is Strange Before the Storm panel with Square Enix at 6.30 p.m. on Friday, July 21st. And the details on that will be on my Twitter. You could also look it up on the Comic-Con website. I'll also be doing a guest appearance on the Marvel Gaming Show. More details on that soon. Uh, but if you guys are around and you want to say hi, I'll um, try to stop by. I'll be floating around the con. Hit me up on Twitter. Let me know, at Andrea Renee. And um, again, be on the lookout. We have PAX West plans in the works. It's going to be very exciting. Um, so that's it for this week. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. And we will see you next week. Have a great weekend.